We've got a code. Use code VOLLEYPOD for 20% off almost anything on the Art of Coaching Volleyball website, including premium memberships, coaching resources, and nearly all books. That's VOLLEYPOD, V-O-L-L-E-Y-P-O-D. Use it to save anytime you're on the site. Are you ready to take your volleyball game to the next level? Every week on the VolleyPod, we talk to two top coaches who share their secrets for success on the court. From drills to build skills to strategies for boosting confidence, you won't want to miss this valuable advice. Tune in now and elevate your game today. Good evening and welcome to the VolleyPod. How are you this evening, Todd? Davis, I'm fired up. We have a guest today, so yes. you don't have to listen to me the whole pod. You know, I, that's why you look so happy. I haven't seen you glowing like this in uh, a long time, but you know it's because we have a guest. I'm glad. I'm glad we got a guest. <laughs> so, yes, tell everyone about our guest. We are thrilled to have with okay. us Okay, well, Jackson. our guest uh, on the pod is Crystal Jackson, and Crystal is a former UCLA All-American. She's a setter. She was pretty good all american i think that means you're pretty good uh uh, played pro beach volleyball uh and uh was on the avp tour and now she uh, she was in san diego and that's where we connected and then uh she moved out of san diego and she'll probably tell us a little bit about her story there uh, but she is doing a bunch of uh, setting stuff now and coaching yep. education. So we thought she would be the ideal guest. So, Crystal, welcome. Glad to have you. Oh, on. thank you, guys. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. All right. Well, awesome. Tell us a little bit since we're into coaching kids volleyball. How did you, when did you start playing? I mean, how do you become a UCLA All American when you're a young kid? You know, I mean, our listeners are going to be interested in that. Oh, thank you. That's a great question. Um, at 10 years old, actually, I told my mom at my grandfather's funeral. So here the scenario is her dad has passed away and I go up to my mom and I'm like, mom, I'm going to play college athletics. Oh but I knew gosh. it. Ten, I know. Crazy, right? Awesome. <laughs> but, oh I, I, <laughs> but I knew at 10 years old. At that time, I thought it was soccer. Then it went to basketball. And then my sister made the high school volleyball team in my hometown of Ventura. So she made the Buena, or Buena High School freshman volleyball team. And she comes home and she's like, Crystal, let's go outside. I'll teach you how to pepper. And I was a big basketball player. I thought that, that I was going to go play basketball for Stanford. Like that was the dream okay, at nice. that point. And uh, we went outside and she taught me how to pepper. And she's like, okay, now hit the ball. And it just was so easy and natural for me yes and she just kind of paused and was like oh you need to play this sport so here I am in (laughs) I'm in sixth grade she's playing with her 16 and under friend team you know they have a they have a team that they put together and so I played club volleyball for two clubs I played one with my sister and one with a sixth grade team I think sixth or seventh something like that but um I played with my sister for a club season and it was amazing because I knew that that was probably my only window to play with her. That's right? very cool. How many years? Old? Was, How many years? We're four years apart. Okay. So you're just. Yeah. So then fast forward, I, you know, I fell in love with the sport. I just absolutely loved it. And in eighth grade, I made a. Uh, I believe, was it eighth grade? Hold on. Now I'm like, what were my years? But I played up every year when I was playing clubs. 
And I just started setting because I thought it would be fun. I didn't know what I was doing. And I didn't I actually was not a good setter. But I just kind of stuck with it, stuck with it. And my freshman year, I actually uh, made... uh, From looking at your uh, little resume here, I I think you figured it out. (laughs) I said, yes. (laughs) Thank you. I did figure it out. But my this cool part of the story is my freshman year, I made varsity as a freshman. And I was a starter, but I was a middle blocker. Because, yeah, crazy. 5'9", you guys, middle blocker. Let's go. I mean, I... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you can play at the Bishop School at five nine. You might be a big middle blocker for us, but uh, you yeah. Can <laughs> but I was a five nine girl that could jump. Yeah. Right. So like I, I naturally had hops, but my mom got a message about a tryout for a team thirty minutes north of us, or sorry, sorry, thirty minutes south of us, um, called the Renegades, and the Renegades had just won festival that year. Festival. And so Davis Festival. You guys remember? Oh my God. Yes. Festival, the good old days of festival, which it. at that time was huge. Oh yeah. So, so I go to this trial. I don't know anybody in this trial. I know no one. Actually, I take that back. I did remember. I knew one girl through basketball, but we weren't like friends. So I wasn't like I was going to tryouts and playing with my best friends. No, I didn't know anybody. And I made the team. And I forgot to tell you, it was an eighteen and under team. Ooh. So I'm. I'm 14, barely started setting, athletic girl, but um, I want the audience to hear this. Um, I was a very coachable athlete. And I think that that is very important for athletes to know these days that like being coachable is a gift for your coach. Like you want to be the type of athlete that coaches love to coach. So he took me on at 14 and I was so fortunate. My coach was a setter that played in college. And then he had a lot of connections. And so we had a man named Harlan Cohen come in and teach us. And he used Harlan to be the men's oh, national. Wow. Yes. I never knew. You remember story. him. Oh, I mean, you're talking to old guys here, Crystal. Yes. So these all, yeah. Is, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So our, Harlan would come in and teach us. I loved him. He was just amazing. For the audience that doesn't know, he used to be. Um, the men's national team coach, and for what I know, really intense and gnarly, but man, he was so oh, nice. Yeah. Old, old school guy, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Great coach, though, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So that was one of my, I'm so blessed. Like, I just, you know, walked into this situation and just, here you go. Here's a setters coach. Here's this guy, Harlan, and a couple other coaches that came in the mix. And, um, yeah, fast forward my team's sophomore year, we made it to the finals. We lost in the finals at junior nationals. Wow. Then the next year, um, we got a, a third. The Renegades. Renegades. Yeah. Renegades. Yeah. You guys remember the Renegades? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We were, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. You guys are old. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> you are not. You are not. No, so uh, I had a great career. And then my senior year, like all whatever, all tournament team. And um, I actually committed to UCLA. My, my, uh, my journey of going to UCLA was a really short experience for recruiting. They sent me a message my junior year. My first letter back in the day when it was letters was May of my junior year. And I committed that August. But as soon as I got that letter from UCLA, I called them and went on an unofficial visit the next week. And when I stepped on the campus of UCLA, I was like, this is where I'm going to school. Yes. And um, I went Not after a bad spot it. Not there at Westwood. <laughs> Not a bad spot. And um, 
before, sorry guys, I missed one tiny little piece. I was really fortunate. I played on the youth national team for one summer and we took our team to a gold medal in Puerto Rico. And then the next year I actually got cut, which was really hard. I'd never been cut from a team in my entire life, but that summer was the summer where I decided, well, I'm going to become great. And so, you know, every time that there's a challenge in the road, you, you have two ways you can look at it. You can feel sorry for yourself or you can make something of yourself. So um, a month later, that's when I committed to UCLA and had an amazing career at UCLA. Yeah. Unbelievable story. Well done. <laughs> uh, let's get into the pod. So we start with a skill and uh, giving your setting prowess. Uh, maybe you have something uh, in that uh, skill set. If not, uh, wherever you want to go, what are you uh, teaching today? I would love to teach about setting. It is the, I believe, the most fun position because you get to run the show. So, you know, setting is, yes, you're putting up a hittable ball, but it actually, to me, is a form of art when you go out on the court. But I'm going to break it down really simple for everybody. The two most important things to focus on when you start setting and even all the way through college and professional, you will see people doing this. We're going to talk about your footwork and your hand positioning. So as a setter, the footwork off the net, a lot of people actually don't know their footwork. And so I'll make it really simple for you guys. It's two steps. The only thing we need to focus on are the last two steps. You can take as many steps as you want to get to the ball. And the last two steps, you're going to step with your left step. You're going to turn your right foot and face your right toe to the pole. And then you're going to set and follow through. Is that simple? So you're, you're Am I making it you're simple? A, you're a left writer. I'm a left writer. Oh, yeah. Right. What do I you really do? Like well, no, I, what do you I'm see? all, well, I'm always, Davis is our setting guru. So I'm going to defer to Davis, but I think now there is a push now, uh, to get setters off their left. I've always, I've always been a left writer, so I'm right with you, but I think there's a push now to let kids be more creative and to let them sometimes go off their left foot and pivot and do a bunch of stuff. There like are that. times. David, for sure so, yeah so what what's your take on this this is you guys are the setters i'm the yeah i'm the non-setter well, mostly i i would let them do so i'm club and i'm getting kids that have already got experience setting because they're kind of higher level teams not super high level but i would let them go left right if they came in left right i wouldn't try to switch them but generally i like the like right left at the end sort of the men's style a little bit more but the, again i'm, I'm not going to change them and i think um I think you got a great. So right there. left. I didn't. Why yeah. is that? I feel like it helps them get their hip around back to the to zone four, ah, back to the antenna. Okay. You know, but again, I I think more more important than which ones you do, it's patterning it and knowing what you're going to be doing, having a plan with your footwork when you're going off the net. So Crystal, I think that's a really good point by you. Yeah, but you said something really important with uh, it helps with squaring up. Right. That's yes. the, that's the value you see in putting the left foot forward. Yes. So yes, here's my take on it. Yes. And no. So yes, I see where you're going because that is the biggest thing I see why kids are not consistent is they're not squared up. And so now they're having to guesstimate if let's just say most of the kids that I see is they're squaring up to the 10 foot line. So now when they set, they're guesstimating with their hands where to place the ball and the ball's all, all over the place. Right. Yep. 
So I could sure. see there that if you pulled the left foot forward, you could square up. But I also have what I've seen with players is that then they square up too far yes. and then they end up setting the ball over. But I like what you're saying. Hey, if it works for you, I was taught left, right. I believe it's left, right. And I'm wide open to seeing it differently. If someone can show me that it's you know more efficient to do it that way. I just want the kid to be consistent yes. in putting the ball a foot off the net to make it that sweet spot for your hitter. Okay. I also think, yeah, go uh, for it. So I, I might be getting ahead of myself here or ahead of, ahead of you here as far as the, the pivot thing. Do you start with a pivot? So I think some coaches now are all, hey, we just want athletic setters. And you were an athletic kid. You were playing middle. And so you were out, you know, running outside the block. And so running over to set should, you know, should we start with, it used to be pivoting was like an advanced thing, right? And now well, okay. people are going, no, hey, we just start pivot now and just, you know, do it from the beginning. So is it, you know, I'm an old school guy, so I'm right with you. It's like, hey, we're left, right, and square up, get your shoulders <laughs> to the ball and get there. That's uh -huh. how the best setter set. And now people are going, no, look at, look at this, you know, Polish setter, and she's never doing that, you know. So what's your take? So when you say pivot, so that we're we're thinking the same thing. Are you talking about going off one foot? One foot, right? So maybe, and like turn and set. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So here, um, I believe that is more of a of an advanced set. Do I believe that if you have an athletic kid that you could teach them quickly? Absolutely. But here's the thing: it's like the foundations of volleyball. I want to teach my kids that I get to work with to learn the basics and be grounded in the basics. I played in an adult league last night and my footwork was not perfect every single time. And I'm going to say I've earned the right to not have my footwork be perfect every single time, but my ball is still a hittable ball in the zone. Right. So I think players, honestly, to me, I think they get to earn that right. You get to earn it by being really diligent with your footwork Again, you find the style that works for you. I tell all my athletes that I train, hey, I'm not the right way. I'm one piece of the puzzle. Like Brian Heffernan was my coach. He was one piece of the puzzle. Um, Harlan Cohen, Kim Jade, Andy Banikowski, um, the Polish, the amazing Polish guy. I can't remember his name right now. You know what I'm saying? Like you get to take pieces from everybody and create your artwork because that's what setting to me is. It is an art. My mom used to say, Crystal, it's like you're dancing out there. And it's, it's, it's a dance. So you get to find what works for you. Cool. So footwork, I think we've gotten into that. What about handwork? Hands, I'm very much a stickler on this. <laughs> because um, to me, what I see the most common mistakes for setters is that they're setting with the hands too wide. And old school used to be like, kind of, I remember in high school, it was like cool to set like on your fingertips, three, hand, three fingers, right? I teach a different style that I learned from Joy McKenzie. I actually hired Joy McKenzie in college because I watched her play at a tournament and I was like, I want a set like you. And so I would drive from UCLA to Long Beach and get setting lessons from her. So I learned this from Joy. But you want to have your index finger and thumbs about an inch apart. So everybody can do this right now while you're listening. You're going to make a field goal with your hands, with your thumbs about an inch apart. Then you're going to turn your hands inward for your thumbs and index fingers to now still be an inch apart. And then you're going to curl your pinkies in to shape the ball. 
Now from there, imagine your hands, hopefully you guys are doing this with me, is right in front of your chest. From here, I want you to bring your thumbs right by your hairline. And then bring your arms up another couple inches. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can't use that cue with David. <laughs> Dude, sorry, David. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious, but go ahead. So. Yes, no, no, I follow you. I follow you. But from here, you guys, right above your head, a couple inches above your head. It depends on your arm length. I will say, you know, anywhere four, six, eight inches. It just literally, I have extra long arms. So I hold my hands pretty high, but from here, you want to make sure your fingertips are facing up, but you still have that triangle and your pinkies rolled in. I take the ball from a very high place because the thing that I see that's causing setters to have the ball slip through the hands is they're too wide. And then consistency-wise, setters are, most balls are dying inside because the ball is too far in front of them. So I get my players to take it above their head, and I promise you, that if you find your sweet spot and where to take the ball right above your head, the ball will fly out of your hands and it'll feel effortless. But it starts, honestly, though, like the footwork and the hands, you can practice your footwork on your own and you can practice those high hands. If your hands right now are too far in front of you, and I would highly recommend every setter, have your parent film you and watch yourself play. It is the quickest way to get better. And notice where you're taking the ball from and then go to the wall and practice setting on the wall from that high position. That's how you can change your hands from being too low to bringing them to what I consider. Uh, I call it your power position because that ball is in line with your body. And then you're using your body for the strength to push the ball out versus just relying on your arms, which are typically not very strong. Okay. I have another question. Yeah. Because... You know, I'm I'm the non-setter here, but uh, I love it. I'm always wondering about kind of holding on to the ball and the ball kind of going into the hands and how long should it be there? And I I'm watching the women's game right now at high levels, and I it seems like to me. And once again, I don't watch a lot of international volleyball. Uh, but I watch a, a fair amount of collegiate, you know, the top teams in college. And it seems like those setters, that ball just kind of hops out of their hands. It just, it's, it's a very quick touch. So the tempo stays very fast. And then I watch the men and I see sometimes the men are holding on to the ball longer, which is kind of weird because the men's game, because all oh, the men's game is so much faster, but then the setters mm -hmm. hold on to the ball longer. And it's, it's kind of weird. And then, you know, we have some different people around our club, some hold on to the ball longer. And I'm like a guy who's kind of a quick touch guy. Uh, what's your take on that? That's a really great question. Uh, I believe it really comes down to what's the most hittable ball, like how long you hold it. If you can put up a hittable ball, that's the most important thing. So the men's game, I do agree. They hold it longer and they take it lower a lot of the times what I see. Um, I think high and fast out of your hands is the way to go because that speeds up your offense. But again, like, man, if they put Crystal, up a... We agree a on everything. You are a really good guest, Davis. She is, Thank you. She is the best guest you've ever had. She agrees <laughs> with me. <laughs> 
no, I, I, I mean, I did disagree with you guys, <laughs> but I could see the value of maybe putting your left foot forward. I could see it. Like I'm, I'm, but you guys, I'm a very open person. Like I said, like, I don't have to be the right way. I'm going to tell you what has worked and what I've seen work over and over well, and over. And, hey, and the you people. know, we're talking about teaching young kids too. And yeah, you know, Davis, you know, he prefaced his stuff with, Hey, he's working with, you know, some older kids now and that already have some patterns. Yeah. Kind of that have some patterns. Yeah. So he's playing around with some stuff. So it's cool. But no, this is, awesome. uh, this is great. Uh, I love it. Uh, anything else you want to get into? Uh, you have the, the footwork was clear. The handwork is clear. Anything specific on back setting? Oh, back setting. Yes. Okay. So this is where, um, I teach squaring up to the pole rather than the antenna. I know when I first learned it was square up to the antenna. What I've noticed is that if we square up to the antenna, sometimes the setters can set too tight to the net. So I have them square up to the pole. And what that means, you guys, when I say square up to the pole is you can say belly button, hips, shoulders, toes, however you want to see it, but you want to face the pole. And here's why when you back set, now I can see the middle blocker. If I'm squared up to the pole, I can see the middle blocker on the other side. And to me, that is very important, especially becoming an elite setter and a standout setter. I'm not just putting up a hittable ball for my teammates. I'm actually strategizing against the other team. That's my responsibility. So now, so if I see wait, you're adding something. She just said it was all about footwork and handwork and now she's talking about eye work <laughs> gosh i thought I, I could do it with only those two but now you're adding eye work we have issues yes. now we, oh, i love it i love it great stuff go ahead sorry well, to interrupt you no 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 you're good but it's eye work but it's it is yes but it's also being able to feel the other player i don't have to glance at the person so you're not a head feel, turner I am and I am not. It just depends. Okay. It, it literally just depends. I mean, if I can see that person as I'm squared up and I can see that middle blocker take a step towards my outside hitter, I'm going to step behind, right? Or if I see the middle blocker take a step to my right side hitter, I'm going to feed it to my middle because that way my middle most likely will have no blocker up. So you can, yes. You can, this is more the advanced style. Yes, you can learn to slightly turn your head. You can also learn to just literally feel which way the person's stepping and you set the opposite, which is the reverse of the flow. I like it. Any other keys like for back setting? Back setting, yes. Thank you. That's where we were going. <laughs> um, I like to have my hands follow through to the position where I want to set. So if I'm squared up to my outside, I'm going to set and my hands will literally follow through to the spot where I want it to go, which is typically towards the pole. Um, the one thing I recommend with setters, if you have a righty hitter and the ball is pushed over to the right side, I would recommend not setting that to your right side hitter. I see that a lot and it's really hard for the right side. If you have an opposite, by all means, that's like heaven on earth for them. You can set that. but if you have a right side hitter and you're setting and you're on the you know right back side, set the pipe or set the four to the outside. Great point. I totally agree with that. That's that's like volleyball yeah. intelligence, right? What'd you say? It's like volleyball intelligence, right? And I, I think that's totally the setters got to manage that. They got to be the smartest one on the team in a lot of ways. 
Yeah. And I, I meant it by like, you're strategizing. So, you know, when you go, this is one thing I saw in Montana that I was kind of blown away that I watched setters not communicate with their hitters in serve receive. So setters, please make sure when, you know, you get to your serve receive position, you're telling your hitters who's, who's hitting what, because that's your job, right? If there's a miscommunication, it's on the setter, but that's, I look at it very seriously of like, okay, I'm looking at the other blockers and going, where's the smallest blocker most likely, right? It's the setter's front row sometimes, not as much anymore, but sometimes, you know, it's going to be me feeding my outside. So I'm going to run my offense to have my middle go behind me. So I have two sets going behind me to set to the outside, uh, outside that has maybe my size five, nine blocker and hopefully give them the biggest opportunity to get a kill. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Uh, anything else before we go to the scenario? No, this has been awesome. I love it. Cool. I think cool. we're going to cut it right now uh, because uh, we're going to probably keep this as one episode and then we're going to add uh, a second episode for the next the scenario and then... Uh, when you talk about your uh, Instagram and your product there. Oh, awesome. Cool. I have a lot to say. <laughs> no, we love it. Great. We love it. This, this is, is great. great. Now sure. the, the skill, it was awesome. It was just what we wanted. So, uh, oh, perfect. we went down a couple different, uh, you know, uh, you know, talking about footwork and talking about handwork. I mean, yeah. that, that's the stuff that I think there, there's so much out there and especially with advanced training, so many people are just saying, ah, just go out and be natural and do it. And mm -hmm. it, it's, it's hard for me, you know, as an old school guy to say, wait a minute, we got to start with some basic stuff. So, yeah. Well, it's the, the foundation, right? So, um, and I didn't even touch on jump setting. I mean, that could be a scenario. Like when do you, when do you yeah, decide to jump yeah, set? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like if you don't have your, to me, if you don't have your footwork down, then you haven't earned the right to jump set. Cause if you don't have your feet and hands there, it's going to be hard to jump set. Yeah. So. Good point. All right, guys, check us out on episode two with Crystal Jackson very shortly. Thank you.